chapter 6. I tried to sing a moment ago, and I thought my voice was changing again. I was going through puberty the other way. Uh, just about disappeared, First Timothy chapter 6, verses 5 through 10. praying for Brother Turner. Brother Turner uh, started his uh, uh, cancer treatments this week. Uh, continue in prayer for him. Also, let's be praying for them. Uh, there is a, uh, at least a possibility. I don't know uh, if the Lord is going to open the door for them to be able to do so or not, but there is a building uh, that they are at least praying about there, and I know they would greatly appreciate our prayer. I have another dear friend there in BC, Brother Modno's Brother Ehlert, and Brother Ehlert worked with Brother Turner for a few years, and now pastors a church there. And Brother Ehlert and I went to Bible college together, worked in ministry together some. And another one of our friends had surgery this week. I commented that I was praying for him, he's a dear friend of mine, and Brother Ehlert commented on my comment on Facebook. And his comment was, I've got to get new friends. All of my friends are broken. And uh, I feel a little bit that way tonight. Would you pray for me? Uh, the, best, the best I can, as broken as I am, I got a, a message I want to give you tonight. Look here with me at 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verses 5 through 10. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness. We talked a little bit about that this morning. From such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And in a many foolish and hurtful lusts was drowned men in destruction and perdition, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I want to talk to you tonight about when all else fails, be content, or how, how to be content. It's a lost art in our world. It's a lost philosophy in our culture. Let's pray together tonight. Lord, would you help us, Lord, to push outside the boundaries of our cultural norm. God, help us to get outside our expected thinking process. Lord, help us to put aside the peer pressure of those around us. And God, would you help us just to be content? to be satisfied with you. Lord, I pray you'd help me tonight to preach your truth. God, give me the voice to speak. Lord, I pray you'd give me clarity of mind. Lord, most of all, I pray that you'd speak through me, dear Holy Spirit of God. I pray that you would work in hearts tonight. Do what I cannot do by your word, through your power. Lord, we, we need you. In your precious name we pray, amen. This passage in and of itself is not a popular passage in our culture today. But the biggest obstacle that we have in our world and our culture is we are not content. 
We're not satisfied. Uh, there's so many podcasters, uh, bloggers, I guess maybe the word is today, uh, social media influencers, that their whole persona is about how discontent they are. How discontent they are with the world, uh, with their life, with their wife, with their husband, with their children, with their job, with the things going on around them. We're just not content. My grandfather's favorite joke, and he told it pretty much to everybody he ever met. He'd ask the question, do you know why a dog turns around in a circle before it lays down? Do you know why, Brother Ahmad? Because it can't do it after it lays down. That was my grandfather's favorite joke. Now, you know, we, the dog turns around and tries to get comfortable and lays down. And you and I, we try to get comfortable in our life. We try to get content. But it seems like we're never quite fully content. So I want tonight just to spend a, a few moments, as my voice will last, talking to you about the way to contentment. Now here's what we think it is. If we put aside the Bible, we think if I could just have everything I wanted... I'd be content. Man, if I could just get everything that I ever desired, I'd be content. Can I tell you that some of the richest men that have ever breathed breath on this earth, who had everything they could ever dream of, I'm reminded of a man named Howard Hughes, a man who literally could have anything he wanted in this world. And when he was asked, Mr. Hughes, do you have enough money? How much money is enough? By the way, a man who was scared of everything. A man who was paranoid to the nth degree. A man who allowed his mind to keep him from even interacting with human beings. He said, how much money is enough? Just one more dollar. Just one more dollar. He wasn't content. But I want to look at the Bible way to contentment. I want you to turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Number one, as we talk about the way to contentment, number one is to have an in intimate knowledge of the Savior. So, Pastor, that doesn't make sense. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about my contentment, my satisfaction. Why are we talking about Christ? Philippians tells us there in chapter 3 and verse 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. To have an intimate knowledge of the Savior. If you're here tonight, most of you have a knowledge of Jesus Christ. I don't know your condition before a holy God. Only you and God know that. But I would hope that most here tonight would have a testimony that they know him, that you know him as your Savior. By the way, if you don't have that testimony, you can have that testimony before you leave this place tonight. You can know him. But Christian, it's more than, oh, yeah, I, I know him. Paul didn't say, oh, yeah, I I met him once. I, he talked to me. Uh, I was blind, and 
Uh, he spoke to me. I know him. Paul said that I may know him. Paul wasn't saying I, I hope I get saved one day. I hope I have a relationship with God one day. Paul was born again. Paul was a Christian. Paul was serving the Lord, but he said, I want to know him better. I want a closer relationship. Most people are not serious about Christ anymore. We don't take salvation as a serious commitment. In our culture, we don't take very many things at all as a serious commitment. We don't take marriage as a serious commitment in our culture. So, Pastor, how do you know that? Because most marriages end up in divorce. So, Pastor, how do you know we don't take marriage as a serious commitment? Because most people don't even get married. They just shack up like dogs because they don't want to commit. That's the culture we live in. We, we live in a culture of non-commitment. We don't want to commit. But we see here that God wants us to commit to knowing him. If our attitude is light about everything in our life as well as our relationship with Christ, can I tell you that you are going to be unsatisfied, discontent. You're always going to be wanting something or seeking something because you're not going to be satisfied. But if we're going to be satisfied in Christ, we need to have a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ and intimate knowledge of the Savior. 27 and a half years ago, I said I do to that giant of a woman sitting right there. And she said I do to me. And I, I knew her. We had dated for a while. We uh, had known each other. We'd, I'd met her family. She'd met my family. She got the full West Virginia introduction on Thanksgiving of 1995, I believe it was. My dad and I drove over to her house coming up in a week and a half is U.S. Thanksgiving. And we drove over to Ohio. My dad and I went in to go pick her up to bring her to our house for Thanksgiving dinner. That's before we were married. Matter of fact, we weren't engaged yet. And we were going to get engaged at Christmas. She didn't know that. And I'll never forget we walked in, and my dad's at the bottom of the stairs, and Carrie's grandfather, he's in heaven now. He looked over and said to my dad, man, you're a big man. How much do you weigh? And uh, we went in, and uh, Carrie came and got in the car with us, and we drove to West Virginia, and we sat around my mom's kitchen table. We had a nice, fancy Thanksgiving meal. We just started eating. Knock came at the door. The family, we stopped eating. There was my uncle. My uncle Jerry was at the door, wearing full camo, head to toe. And he came to the door and said, hey, I shot a big buck. You want to see it? And the whole family, we got up from the table. We all went outside, went and saw my uncle's deer in the bed of his truck, you know, blood dripping everywhere, and uh, went back inside. Uh, my wife got introduced to West Virginia Thanksgiving. But she knew me. I knew her 27 and a half years ago when I said I do and she said I do. But in 27 and a half years, we've gotten to know each other a little better. 
our relationship is not the same as it was 27 and a half years ago. And by the way, Christian, you and I, if we're going to have, be content with Christ, content with what God has, he wants us to have a close relationship with him, a close relationship that grows. As Paul said, that I may know him, that I may know him. If we're going to be contented, the very first step to contentment is having an intimate knowledge of the Savior. Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 6.14, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a contentment when we come into intimate knowledge of Christ, a contentment, a satisfaction. Number two, not only an intimate knowledge of the Savior, but number two, we need to have faith in God to supply every need. Faith in God to supply every need. Turn to Philippians 4. Just over a few pages there in your Bible, most likely Philippians 4 verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, would you help me tonight? That word, the one, two, three, four, five, the sixth word in that phrase, all. What does that mean? What's it mean to you? The Bible says all. But so often we don't believe that's what it means. We think it has a limitation and it does not apply to every area of our life or everything of our life. But if we are to be contented, to have contentment, we need to have faith in God to supply every need. Can I confess that that's hard to do? Can I tell you that many times in my life that I haven't trusted the Lord the way I should? Many times there have been issues that I've fretted about and worried about and thought, man, how in the world am I going to do that? And I never once thought, how's God going to do that? I never once questioned, hey, God, are you going to take care of this? I've struggled with that. I do remember, though, when I was a young college student, and I wish I was young again. That'd be dangerous. Uh, I'd probably really hurt myself. But I remember telling my wife as we were looking forward to graduating from college, I remember telling her that when I graduated, I was going to quit my job and we were going to start traveling and start in deputation to raise support to come to a place called Edmonton. Have you ever heard of Edmonton? Uh, come to Canada. I didn't know at the time we were going to be coming to Edmonton. I knew Canada. And my wife said, how are we going to pay the bills? And I went, well, that's God's responsibility, I guess. I'll never forget the night that we went to visit family at Christmas time before I graduated in May. I remember standing up in a church in West Virginia. The pastor said, Brian, come up and tell us what you're going to do after you graduate from college. And I gave about two minutes. And before I could walk away from the pulpit, the pastor walked, started to walk up, and a man about three-quarters of the way back in the church, a big church, stood up. He's in heaven now, good man. 
soul winner, faithful, faithful servant of the Lord, dies of cancer about 15 years ago. He stood up in the back and just in the middle of a church service. Imagine this. He said, Pastor, he said, I, he said, I think our church, I think we ought to vote to take Brian and carry on for support when they start deputation. And I, I'm sitting there thinking, that's a good idea. Uh, that's a really good idea. And I'm expecting the pastor to say, my brother, that's a great idea. We're going to talk about that in a few months. And that's, that's what I expected. The pastor didn't do that. He said, well, that's a great idea. He said, how much do you think we ought to support him for? And I wouldn't recommend asking that as a pastor, asking somebody. And that's what he did. And the guy looked, he said, Pastor, I think we ought to support him for $300 a month. After they woke me up off of the ground, after I passed out, uh, the church voted right there. I'm still standing here. The church voted uh, that when I graduated and we start deputation, they're going to give us $300 a month. Can I tell you the only bill I had in all the world back then, and I have, was for a car that we had it was a Chevy Venture minivan, and my car payment was $300.01 per month. I remember thinking that later that night, God, I guess maybe you can take care of us. And dear friend, can I tell you, God can, and he will Amen. take care of you. He can supply every need. When we think, though, that there are some things that God can't supply... That's when we get discontented. That's when we're not satisfied. Because we feel like we're not getting, God can't give us what we need. I didn't grow up in poverty, but I grew up in a home where we were very frugal. How many of you know that kind of lifestyle? We were very frugal. We did not buy name brand food. Uh, we did not, I did not wear name brand designer clothing. Uh, we didn't have uh, the fancy cereal. We had the generic version of the cereal. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you have no clue. But that's the way I grew up. I remember I'd go to a friend's house and I'd see some fancy cereal and go, man, Corn flakes. Well, what, is, what is that? Uh, frosted flakes. Uh, I've, got, I've got powdered uh, chunks of corn or something in my house. It was different. Now, I remember thinking, man, these people, they, they are living large. Now, honestly, those people are probably still in debt, and my parents are very happily retired now. But we so often look at things that others have, and we think, why can't I have that? Why can't I enjoy those things? But when we trust that the Lord can meet our needs and he will meet our needs, can I tell you that it brings contentment? Now, let me, let me go back a little bit and let me say this by foundational truth. The Bible's all true. It all fits together. Paul, God gave him to condemn laziness. Now, the Bible says if a man does not provide for his own, he's worse than an infidel. And that's still true. That doesn't mean that, oh, well, God, I'm not going to do anything. God, you're just going to take care of me. And if you don't take care of me, it's your fault. No, God says if you don't provide for your own, you're worse than an infidel. James 4.2 says, you lust and have not, you kill and desire to have, you cannot obtain, you fight more, yet you have not because ye ask not. You ask not. Most times we ask. 
But we asked the wrong person. We asked the wrong person. How many of you know the name David Livingston? If you don't know the name, you should. A man who left everything he had, great wealth, to go into the heart of Africa to share the gospel to a people who had never heard. Dr. Livingston was getting some money together to go on the missionary field. He was a doctor. He was working for another doctor, and he worked long, hard hours, and he worked because he was trying to gather some money to go, the funds, so he could go to Africa on his own dime to reach people with the gospel. The doctor would pay Dr. Livingston on Saturday night. Every Saturday night, he would get a paycheck. The doctor told David Livingston to tell him each Saturday night, to remind him to pay him. One night, the doctor forgot. David Livingston did not tell him. This happened for several weeks in a row. David was very shortly getting ready to leave to go to the mission field of Africa. Matter of fact, it was the very next day that he was going to leave the country to start off on his grand adventure. That night, the night before he would leave, the doctor he worked for came to David Livingston's home. And he brought the money that he owed him. He realized that he owed him the money, and David Livingston had not asked him for the money. And it was late at night, and the doctor looked at David Livingston, and he said, why didn't you remind me? He said, I ask you to remind me. I ask you to tell me. And David Livingston simply said, I guess God did. David Livingston did not tell that doctor, but he had told his God. He had told his God. Christian, can I tell you that we need to have our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to trust that God is able, that God is very, very, very able to meet our need. As we look there in our text, as we think in the book of Philippians, my God shall supply all your need he's the one that's able to do so he's the one that's able to meet our need he can supply all of our need Matthew 7 7 says ask and it shall be given unto you seek and you shall find knock and it shall be opened unto you when are we going to get to the point Christian when we just take our needs to God hey God this is uh this is my needs but we bear them on ourselves, And we fret and we worry and we try to figure out a way that we're going to care for every situation of life. When God's perfectly able, we need to leave everything in his hands. Trust him. So we need to have an intimate knowledge of the Lord. Number two, we need to have faith that God will supply all our need. Number three, as we think about the way to contentment, Number three, we need to have the desire to help others. What? How is that going to bring me contentment? The Bible tells us in Philippians, look at chapter 2 and verse 4. 
biblical principle here that we need to follow. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Every man also on the things of others. Christian, we want to focus on our things And as long as we focus simply on our things, we're never going to be satisfied. We're never going to be contented. We'll be like that storybook dragon laying on our hordes of gold wanting more. When in reality, God wants us, the principle here in the book of Philippians is, I'm to look to others' needs. My personal commitment, your personal commitment will grow to Christ as we help others. As we help others, we will learn to have more commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember as an 18-year-old teenager going off to Bible college, as I was working in inner city ministry, inner city of Chicago, as I was... I, literally every week of the world in the, the middle of a gang culture and all of that, sharing the gospel and reaching folks out of that culture. I remember as I was, you know, I'm 18 years old. I'm just becoming, as the, as the world says, an adult and uh, things that I would want, things that I would want to do. But I remember the man who I worked under the ministry man who's John Wilkerson's brother-in-law, Dr. John Francis, now Dr. John Francis. I remember Brother Francis coming to me as I was an 18-year-old kid. And I remember him saying to me, hey, he shared with me about a young lady who we were working with in the ministry there who wanted to go to a Christian school. And he said, hey, we're trying to raise money so she can go to a Christian school. Could you help with that? I was working a full-time job loading trucks for overnight transportation. I had a full ride, uh, full tuition scholarship my first year of college. <coughs> my only bills were room and board. And I remember looking at that paycheck that I got that next Friday after I heard of that need and I thought to myself, I, I don't need all that. I remember going to Dr. Francis's office and I said, hey, I said, how much is that bill? How much does that teenage girl, by the way, this was a young lady, a trophy of grace, came out of one of the hell holes of Chicago that would scare you to death if you could see where she lived? I said, how much would it cost for her to be able to go to Christian school? And I started giving. Can I tell you that that began for me a growth of learning to care about others. I had a lot more growing to do. I've still got a lot more growing to do. But that one decision impacted my Christian life. It impacted my approach to ministry. It impacted my understanding of God's provision. Christian, when we learn to get involved and concerned about the needs of others, our needs 
don't seem to be quite as important. There'll be a contentment even while we may lack some of the niceties of life. We must give to meet the needs of others. I said our personal commitment will grow. My commitment to Christ, my commitment to Christ will grow as I turn from myself to others. As I turn from focusing on myself to focusing on others. Here's the question then, who should I help? Who should I help? The sorrowing Christian. The broken hearted. The bereaved. I had a quick chat, quick chat with a dear brother last night who found out he had an aunt who died a horrible death. My heart weeped and wept for him. Christian, can I tell you, there's many around us, many brothers and sisters in Christ who are hurting. But we don't know because we don't take time to think and ask and pray. They're everywhere. They need someone to share the burden. The weak Christian, you know, we, we want to we look down and judge and say, man, what's wrong with that person? Why can't they just do right? Why can't they live for the Lord? When's the last time we said, man, I want to help them? What can I do to, to help that Christian that's struggling? What can I do to help them take one more step in their Christian life? Romans 15 verse 1 says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor. For his good and edification, for even Christ pleased not himself, but it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. By the way, Christian, we ought to be helping the sinful Christian. You know, we, we want to we drive past in the fast lane of the Christian life and look at that one stuck in the mud of sin and say, yes, yeah, serves you right, just hang out there in the mud and zoom on by. Can I tell you that's not a Christian attitude? The Christian attitude is, man, how, how can I help them? Not how can I judge them, not how can I mock them, not how can I belittle them, but how can I help them? When we look to help others, it takes the focus off of our life. A lot of Christians need somebody to help them. It's easier to write them off, easier to call them backsliders than it is to help them. I was driving a little Japanese mini truck. How many of you remember my little Suzuki mini truck, the little baby truck? I was driving it one day, and I saw a truck off a big truck, like a real truck, like a full-grown truck, an adult truck, not a baby truck. Four-wheel drive, adult, full-size, three-quarter ton, I think it was, truck stuck on the side of the road. And I was going by, and I stopped. And I said, hey, me to help you? He was embarrassed. But I got him back on the road. Sure. So, Pastor, I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to help them. They'll be embarrassed. It'll be, it'll be a difficult conversation. Yeah, but you might help them back on the road. You might encourage them. Number four, and we'll close with this thought tonight. How do we be contented? What's the way to contentment? 
have the mind of Christ. Philippians 2, verse 5, look there with me. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Have the mind of Christ. Today at lunch, Carrie made cabbage roll soup. It's hamburger and cabbage and carrots and onions and uh, liquid heaven, uh, angels singing, something was stirred, and it was good stuff. And we're sitting at the table eating. Well, all of us were sitting at the table except for Yeti. Yeti was not sitting at the table. Yeti was, kept wandering around the table. <laughs> he smelled that soup, and he wanted it. He was like, man, I, I want to have that soup. I got to have that soup. I want to have that soup. Now, you could see it in his, his little doggy, miniature doggy brain, smaller than that microphone right there. He wanted that soup. That's all that was in his mind. He was focused. A lot of us, we get in our mind, we get so focused. I want this. I'm not content without this. I'm not satisfied unless this happens. I'm, I want this, this, and this, and I'm accepting nothing else. Christian, can I tell you, we'd be a lot better off if we would allow God to give us a brain transplant, a mind transplant, and we would say, God, would you give me your mind? Help me to think the way you think. With that said, when it says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, I believe the contentment can be learned. I believe as believers, we can learn to be contented. So, Pastor, how do, how, why do you think that? I'm glad you asked. The Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 11, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. I have learned what sort of state I am there with to be content. I know both how to be abased, I know how to abound everywhere, and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ with strength with me. Now, that means if Paul said, I have learned, there was a time when Paul wasn't contented. There was a time when Paul said, I, man, I'm not putting up with this. I, I, I don't like this. I'm not going to be a part of this. We all are in different stages of learning and growth in our Christian life. Now, what's dangerous is most of the time we look at where we are in our Christian life. This is how, this is how self-focused we are. And I'm just trying to be very transparent tonight. And we say, I'm right in my Christian life, and everybody on this side of me, they need to get with the program. Now, we avoid looking on this side at those that maybe have grown a little further than we have. We don't say, oh, they're more spiritual than me. No, we look at ourselves. Okay, this is the rung. This is the level. Once you get to this level, you're right. But the fact is, all of us need to be taking more steps growing. There are many new Christians who are about here in their Christian growth who I believe comparatively are way better Christians 
than some of us over here looking down saying, boy, I wish they were as holy as I am. Why? Because they have come so far in their growth, and we've been standing still so long, we got moss growing on us. We haven't grown since 1986. We're, we're still exactly the same. We haven't gone anywhere spiritually. The Bible says we can have the mind of Christ. Paul says, I have learned, we can learn to be contented. Does that mean that one day, I finally got it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have all the contentment, I'm going to be right there, I'm going to, no. But I believe we can learn to have contentment. We learn that as we accept the mind of Christ. As we think about having the mind of Christ, I said we can learn to be contented. Also, contentment is found through obedience to God's commands. It's found nowhere else. When God tells us to do something, if we allow this rug, this beautiful Persian rug on a platform, Brother Ahmad's ancestors made this rug. Uh, one of his countrymen sold it to me, though. Uh, but if we let this rug represent the will of God, the Word of God, if I live outside of it, if I go all around that rug or that boundary and I stay over here and I never get inside of it, I can never have true contentment, ever. True contentment and the mind of Christ is only found through the obedience to God's word. I want to look at God and say, God, give me the mind of Christ. I want to be contented here. And I go to the word of God, and the word of God says, Forsake not the assembly of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. And I go, yeah, God, I'm really busy this weekend. I just can't go to church. But, Lord, I want the mind of Christ. Oh, God, would you give me your will? I want to be contented, but I'm not going to obey you. By the way, we could go on and on and on and on about command after command after command of truth after truth after truth after truth of Scripture. No, no, I don't want to do that. I want the mind of Christ. Well, I, I, I don't want to follow that plan. I, I don't want to do that. I, I just want you to do what I want. You see, we want a magic genie in a lamp. We want to rub the lamp and say, okay, God, give me what I want. The way I want it, how I want it, when I want it. But can I tell you that contentment is found inside the will of God. The mind of Christ is accessed inside the will and plan of God. What does it take to be contented? What are the ingredients? What adds up? To equal contentment. What do I plug together in that mathematical formula to come out on the other side with contentment? Where does contentment come from? It comes from God. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from things. It doesn't come from circumstances. It doesn't come from a job. It doesn't come from a house. It doesn't come from that car that you just have to have or that new phone or that new toy or whatever it is. It only comes from God. Contentment comes from the Lord, not from the world. Contentment comes from the Lord, not from your 
self. So what do I do to get contentment? Have complete faith in the Lord. If it comes from Him, trust Him. Be loyal to Him. Be honest with Him. Be honest, by the way, with others. Be honest uh, with God. Contentment comes with work. 1 Timothy 5, verse 8, But if any man provide not for his own, especially those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Matthew 9 says, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers in his harvest. When I have a close relationship with my God, when I fully believe that he is able to meet all my needs, when I have a desire to help others and I get the focus off of myself and on to helping to meet the needs of others, and I have the mind of Christ, I'm content. I'm content because I have everything I need. Christian, right now, this very moment, you have everything you need. And I know as soon as I made that comment, in your mind you go, I wish that were true, but I need this and I need that and I need this. Can I tell you what you need is your God. I have him. I have him. I have everything I need. I have everything I could ever ask for. I praise God for the many blessings that I have in life. I have a wonderful family. I praise God for that. I'm blessed. I have a wonderful church family. How blessed I am. I get to serve the Lord with my life and with those folks that I love with all my heart. I'm blessed. But can I tell you that I have everything I need even if I was on the street tonight? If I have the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all I need. All I need. Are we content? Can I answer for you most of the time? I mean, let's just be real honest. We're not really content. We're rarely ever fully satisfied. There was a restaurant when I grew up called Dale's Smorgasbord. It was nine miles from where I grew up. You crossed over the bridge, the Silver Bridge, into Gallup Police, Ohio. And there in the Silver Bridge Plaza, as it was called, there was a smorgasbord there, Dale's Smorgasbord. I remember as a kid, we went there. I went there. It's the most unique smorgasbord or buffet I've ever seen. Brother Mott, I called the Lazy Smorgasbord. I didn't, know, I didn't know Darren at the time, but if I knew Darren, I would have called it the Darren Smorgasbord. Uh, because you would go and... Everybody's been to a buffet, right? You've all been to a buffet smorgasbord. Normally, you got to walk around the buffet and get your food. Well, Eric, it wasn't like that. You stood still, and the buffet items were on a trolley. 
conveyor belt and the food would just come by so you have your plate on the tr on the thing here and then as the food come by you you, you didn't even have to move to get your food i mean it was it was a lazy fat man's heaven and i remember as a kid going there thinking we didn't go out to eat very much when I was a kid, so if we went somewhere, it was always wow. And I remember we went there, and I was like extra wow. And you could eat all you wanted, and the food just kept coming around, and you just keep all the food you want. And as a little boy, I remember, and I wasn't very old, I remember eating way more food than I should have eaten. I was probably maybe eight years old. And oh my goodness, I ate so much food. We had a full-size Ford Bronco back then. And when we left the restaurant, instead of getting in the back seat and sitting in a seatbelt, of course, nobody used seatbelts back then because we weren't a bunch of sissies. I, I didn't sit in the seat and put a seatbelt on. I got behind the seat in the back of the Bronco and I laid down on my back. I remember laying there rubbing my fat little belly. Well, my fat big belly. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to eat ever again as long as I live. I think I even said it out loud. My wife has probably heard me say that 20 times out loud since we've been married. But I remember laying back there thinking, there was no way I could ever eat again. I ate so much food, I was almost in a food coma. And I'm this little eight-year-old stuffed little boy laying in the back of the Bronco as dad's driving us home. And I was so full. Had my dad said, Brian, do you want some ice cream? And I'm not a big sweets guy, but I would have said, no. Had he asked me if I wanted a cheeseburger? I would have said, no. Do you want a steak, Brian? No. When I was a real little kid, we lived in Florida. and We used to go. My uncle would take us out once a week. He was a single guy at the time. and Mom would cook for him every, every meal, and he took us out to eat once a week. And we, most of the time, we'd go to a seafood place. And I would always tell my parents I wanted seaweed and slobster. Now, I never got lobster, but I always said I wanted seaweed and slobster. Uh, they, my dad had said, Brian, do you want? I'd never had lobster or slobster at that point. And he said to me, Brian, do you want some lobster or slobster? No. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm full. I have all I can handle. I'm content. Christian, I wish that we would get so full of our God that we would say no devil I'm good I don't need that sin I, I, I don't need that enticement I, I don't need to live for things I, I don't need to live and allow my flesh to just desire and desire I'm, I'm perfectly fine I'm content I pray that that would be our goal. I pray that we'd have a desire to be contented with Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we confess tonight that oftentimes 
we struggle in the area of contentment. Lord, we desire to have. We want. Lord, you tell us in the shepherd's psalm that when we have you as our shepherd, we will not, we shall not want. You'll meet our needs. We'll be contented. Lord, I just pray that we would learn to love you so much, to be so committed to you, to be so committed in our relationship with you, Lord, to trust you so much at the same time, Lord, that we would serve others and we would ask you for the mind of Christ that we would be satisfied, contented, that we would learn in whatsoever, ate, whatsoever state we are therewith to be content. God, forgive me Lord, in many areas of life when I've been discontented with you, when I've been discontented with what you've wanted for me, when I've disagreed with you about your will and your purpose. Lord, help us tonight to find inside the boundaries of your will and your word perfect, complete contentment. Lord, we love you. Help us to love you more. Lord, help us to have the mind of Christ. Would you work in our hearts tonight, God? Would you work in mine? In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and we'll sing number 202.